0: So glad y'all are worshiping with us this week here here live and on uh, YouTube as well. We got a live stream this morning, sorry, some of, uh, we missed the 9.30 on YouTube, but we made it on Facebook. So anyway, so if you're looking at YouTube, here we are, <laughs> but uh, so glad that y'all are here in person and those on live stream as well. But the main thing is we're here to worship God, right? Our wonderful Savior the king of kings
1: Father, Lord, we just uh, acknowledge you are the King of kings, God, and all glory and all honor you deserve. And so this morning, Father, may our hearts pour out an adoration of praise and worship to you and to you alone. May you receive glory. Father, Lord, as we continue today in worship and as we continue today to hear from your word and from testimonies, Lord, may it encourage us and challenge us, and Lord, may um, you just Send us out of here to be also an encouragement to the people that we're around. In your name we pray. Amen. You guys can grab a seat. Let me welcome you to the Ridge Church. We're so glad that you are joining us today. If this is your first time with us, uh, we just want to say thank you for for being here. Uh, If you grabbed a bulletin when you came in, there's this uh, little piece that comes out of the bulletin. You can tear that off and you can drop it into the offering box back there in the back. Or you can take it over to the Welcome Center. We'd love for you to do that because we have a free gift that we would like to give you just to say thanks for coming. Uh, And so yes, thank you for joining us this morning. Uh, If If you are a regular attender and you normally give an offering and you're like, hey, don't we normally do the offering? Uh, We don't pass out the offering plates right now. And that's in the back in that red uh, box back there. You can drop that in or you can do that online. Uh, But if you also grab the bulletin, you'll see we have two uh, awesome outreach events that are coming up. Uh, even with all of this COVID and the coronavirus, we still want to be a, a gospel light uh, and we can do some things and do them well and do it social distance and so next Sunday at 12 o'clock, uh, we're going to have lunch and then from 1 to 3 we're going to be passing out these care packages you can see a picture of what's in there some hand sanitizer, some soaps some disinfectant wipes, some things that are really needed right now, right? Some of those things that might be hard to come by we're going to be going into our community, passing those out. Inside of each of those care packages is a is a postcard that has information that they can use on their phone or on, also they can look it up on the website. It'll be a message of hope of the gospel that's going to be shared by Pastor Roger. Uh, so not only are we showing them that we love them, but we're showing them the greatest love that they can find in Christ. Uh, and so we'll, we'll have lunch at noon on Sunday and then we're going to go out into our community from one to three. And if you're like, I can't get out and I can't walk around, we understand that. Uh, we'll also have the option for those who want to join us to hop in their cars and we'll send you out into the community ahead of us and you can prayer drive right you can prayer walk prayer drive prayer drive is good too especially if you got some hills so you can prayer drive beforehand and just ask the lord to open up conversations so if you're interested in helping and serving and joining us for lunch there's uh, two sign up sheets in the activity center which is The activity center is right here uh, to the right of me, to the left of you, behind that wall, going into the fellowship hall, the activity center. You can sign up. Let us know you're coming so we can have enough food. We'd love for you to join us as we literally get to be the hands and feet walking into our community of Christ, sharing the good hope that he has. Also, um, on October 31st, we have our Harvest Fest. Um, And we are doing things a little different this year, continuing our desire to want to reach out to the community and also, you know, being wise with... Physical distancing. I like the word physical distancing more than social distancing, right? You can still be social and just be distant. Uh, But we are having a special guest from 530 to 730. We'll have the food and we'll have candy for the kids. But for all ages, adults, teenagers, kids, we're going to have Brad Bennett, who has a ministry where they do stunts on DMX bikes and motocross bikes. And so it's going to be an awesome show that they'll do uh, that night uh, right out here in our church parking lot. Um, And then they'll stop everything and they will share the gospel. And this is something, I don't know if you saw this week, uh, this is something that's made America's Got Talent, right? These are not just wannabe uh, bike. This isn't me getting on a bicycle and, you know, jumping off of a ramp and then, you know, twisting my ankle as I come down wrong. These are guys who really know what they're doing, jumping off of big jumps and all those other things that I don't have anything. I don't have the knowledge of bike riding and BMX bikes but these guys do Uh, so it's going to be exciting we want you to continue to bring your kids because we're going to have candy it's going to be a great opportunity for our church but it's also a great opportunity for outreach so if you know some people I know trick-or-treating it might not be the same this year so maybe you can say hey your kids can get a lot of candy they can still be safe and physically distant Right, right here in our church parking lot. So invite your, your friends who got kids, but also invite your friends who don't have kids, right? This will be good for all ages. And so we want to show you how awesome this is. So check out this video, and then afterwards, we'll continue in worship.
0: That's how Brett gets to work every week. Here we go. All right, friend of God. When uh, Abraham said that uh, we're no longer slaves, but we're friends to God. I hope you're a friend of God today. Let's stand. He loves you with all he has. to God also, right? This is your prayer for this morning we want him to draw draw close to us so we can hear his voice
2: my desire no one else
0: people said,
3: Amen. It's good to see you this morning. If you have your Bible, I want to encourage you to turn to the book of Job, and we'll be looking at the second chapter this morning. So it's great to come as we take this journey through the book of Job. Just to kind of review, the book of Job, as many believe, is actually the oldest book in the Bible, the first one actually to be written down. And it's interesting, if it is the oldest book in the Bible, it deals with a subject... That goes back as far as time and that is the suffering that we go through and how do we deal when we go through times of suffering. As we've mentioned there are more scientific facts in the book of Job than any other book of the Bible. There's also more information about creation than even in the book of Genesis. So it really is an interesting magnificent book. Uh, obviously, if you go through the book of Job, you'll discover there's lots and lots and lots of questions. About 330 questions in the book of Job. And many of them center around that main issue of why. Why me? Why suffering? Why my family? Why now? And we, most of us, at some point or another, have asked God, why? If you haven't, you will someday. And again, it's okay to ask why. Jesus asked why on the cross as long as we don't become bitter toward God. But there's a lot of things that go on down here that's beyond my understanding. And also the book of Job challenges us with this question, is God enough? If God were to strip away the material things, family, and even if we suffer physically, would he still be enough if things were stripped away in our life? And certainly the book of Job challenges us, with that particular question in James chapter 5 again in the New Testament Job is mentioned and uh, a couple weeks ago as I was sharing this God spoke to my heart while I was uh, sharing and so again it says indeed we count them blessed who endure you have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful As I mentioned last week, I don't think I've ever heard anyone talking about the book of Job saying the book of Job is all about the compassion and the mercy of God. And yet when we see it from heaven's perspective, the book of Job is about God's compassion and mercy. And so it's my prayer as we take this journey through the book of Job that as we're going through times of suffering that we really can see it and experience God's compassion and his mercy. As I mentioned last week, one of the last verses of the, of the book of Job, it says, Job died old and full of days. I love how it says full of days. The Bible says that about Abraham, Isaac. It says that about David, who lived to be 70 years old. But it says he died full of days. Wouldn't it be great at the end of the journey if we could all say we've had a full life? doesn't mean we accumulated a lot of stuff, but it does mean we've experienced God's fullness along the journey. So I think that's really a neat way of saying that. And so as we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, the first part of Job chapter 1 introduces us to Job, tells us that he was blameless and upright, one who feared God, shunned evil, says he had seven sons, three daughters, he was rich in livestock, and he also served as a priest for his family. That's why most believe, many believe, he lived during the time of Abraham, Isaac, the patriarchs, uh, for that particular reason. In the middle of chapter one, we find Satan appearing before God, which again is a reminder. And I think Job was totally unaware of what was going on in heaven. But we have the privilege of looking back and realizing that while we're living here on this earth, there's also a reality going on in the spirit realm. And I just want to remind you that that which is in the spirit realm is more real than what we're experiencing in the physical realm. So it is a reminder, and every day I think I think of it when I get up, there's something going on in heaven, that every day the angels are appearing before God. And if you remember in chapter 1, Satan said, you know, if you just touch Job, let me strip some things out of his life. He will curse you to your face. And so we find in chapter 1, like an onion, God began to peel back some of the layers of Job's life. All of his worldly possessions were gone. His family was gone in a blink of an eye. So now in chapter 2, again, we find the scene shifting from earth back to heaven. And it's almost an identical scene that we found in chapter one you almost get the idea that every day there's kind of a routine that goes on as the angels and as Satan is accountable to God and so I want to remind you even though Satan lost his original state he still has to appear before God still is accountable to God so we're going to look today at Job chapter 2 alright so we find again Satan appearing before God I changed Satan I had the word Satan coming up I put him on a white cloud and the reason I did, just kind of thinking about Satan, I wish that Satan wore uh, red underwear, had a long tail and a pitchfork. He'd be so easy to recognize. But the Bible says he appears as an angel of light. And so he may appear to be a good guy. He may quote a little bit of scripture to you. But I want you to understand we got to walk in wisdom if we're going to battle the enemy So again, chapter 2, again there was a day when the sons of God, and I believe that term sons of God is talking about angels. The Amplified Bible actually has the word angels in parentheses there. So the angels are accountable to God. Satan also is accountable. Even though the Bible calls him the prince of the power of the air, I just want to remind you that he absolutely is under God's authority. And so we find the sons of God coming to present themselves before the Lord. Satan came also among them to present himself before the Lord. And as in chapter 1, the Lord initiates the conversation and the Lord says to Satan, from where do you come from? Same exact conversation they had. And he answered a very similar way from going to and fro on the earth, from walking back and forth on it. So Basically, he does the same thing every day. Every day he's walking to and fro on the earth, as First Peter 5, 8 says, as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Every day. Don't you wish he would just take a day off? Take a vacation for a week. But every day he's out to destroy your family. And so the Lord said to Satan, as he did in chapter 1, have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man One who fears God, shuns evil, and he still holds fast to his integrity, although you incited me against him to destroy him without a cause. So as in chapter 1, it's God who initiates the conversation about Job. God says to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? Just kind of rubbing it in to Satan that he he stayed faithful to God, even though uh, Satan stripped some things away from his life. So Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin, yes, all that a man has, he will give for his life. But stretch out your hand now and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will surely curse you to your face. Let me say one thing Satan wants us to do. If you just slow down, look at that. What Satan would get great pleasure out of if we would curse God. Now that word curse, you know, people say we may think of it as a curse word, but it means literally to speak evil against someone or something. I think what Satan is saying is that if you let me touch him physically, he's going to complain and he's going to be kind of disgruntled about you and he's going to speak something negative about you. I believe when we grumble and complain, I believe we are literally following Satan's path. I believe our words are so vitally important. You remember the children of Israel when they came out of Egypt? The Bible says they were grumbling and complaining in their tent. Now if there's anywhere you should be able to grumble and complain, it's in your house. I mean, right? But the Lord heard them in their tents and it displeased the Lord greatly. You know, when we grumble and complain about life, literally, we're saying that we don't believe that God is good. We don't believe that God is in control. And if we're ever living in a time where it would be easy to grumble and complain, it's now, there is a lot of crazy going on in the United States. And it's so easy to get sucked in to negativity. But I believe that, again, when we began to grumble and complain and speak negative about our lot in life, I believe literally we're speaking against God and saying that God isn't good, that God isn't faithful. So I just want to encourage you to watch your words because Satan wants you to be a complainer. He wants you to be negative and grumble about your life, all right? And so the Lord says to Satan, behold, he is in your hand, but despair his life. Isn't it interesting that everything God gives Satan permission to do, he does it to the degree. I mean, he does it full on. He doesn't just do it part way. And again, a reminder that Satan hates you. And if it were not for the grace of God, all of us would be wiped out today. The fact that you could walk in this building, the fact that you could go out and get in your car... Is the grace of God. And so God says to Satan, he's in your hand, spare his life. Now if you remember from chapter 1, God said you can take everything away from his life, just don't touch him. And the two that he couldn't touch were Job and his wife. And again, a reminder to me that husband and wife are one. And when God told Satan he could not touch Job, he also didn't touch his wife. So tuck that away in the back of your mind. So Satan goes out from the presence of the Lord. He strikes Job with painful boils from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. I mean, that rascal. I think if he would have just given him two boils, one right on the middle of the forehead and right on their lip, I think that would have been pretty, pretty bad if you've ever had a boy, but he had him from the top of his head down to the sole of his feet. Again, I want to remind you, when God gives him permission, he takes it to the hundredth degree. I mean, he literally is going to do anything and everything that God allows him to do. But I want you to know this, this is kind of a note of interest. He does not touch Job's wife. He does not touch her physically, and so she was not touched. Now, to me, just kind of on the lighter side, you do not mess with a wife. Don't mess with the wife, all right? But, you know, he's going to try to work with the wife and try to get her to say something to Job. But I just want to say, kind of go on record as saying, one of the reasons I think Job was upright and blameless, one who feared God, shunned evil, I think he had an incredible wife. I'm just going to go on record. I would say without a godly wife, you don't have much of a chance, guys. I mean, we're in this thing together. And so he touches Job, again, from his head to his foot. Matter of fact, the only relief he got was taking a piece of broken pottery and scraping himself while he sat in the midst of ashes. I just want to ask you, when was the last time you were so miserable that you had to take a piece of broken pottery and scrape yourself just to get a little bit of relief? I mean, that sounds painful. Just to kind of wrap your mind around the suffering that Job is going through from head to foot. Now, if we can be honest, when I'm really, really sick, I am a bear to be around. Now, you guys are probably singing victory in Jesus. I love Jesus. But sometimes when I'm really, really sick, I just don't want to talk to people. I just want to be alone and have a pity party. Anybody here ever have a pity party? Nobody really wants to go to your pity party, but I have one, you know, but when I'm really, really sick, I mean, it's, I mean, I just want to be alone, be by myself, and so he's in there just really struggling and suffering, and then his wife comes along, and notice what she says to Job. His wife said to him, do you still hold fast your integrity? Curse God and die! Now, I just want to be honest. I've read some commentaries where they kind of put the wife down. And and I just want to be honest. I think she was an incredible woman. I mean, the thing that she she had all of her stuff stripped away. She lost all ten of her children at one time. She sees her husband suffering from head to foot. I just want to say, I believe this woman was incredible. But she had a breaking point. I mean, if you think that you are so spiritual, you can never be broken. I just want to remind you, go back and read about Nebuchadnezzar. God is able to humble us. I just want to tell you that. If you don't think you could ever be broken, I just want to guarantee you, you can. Life can break you down to the point of just totally being dependent. So she says, curse God and die. Does that sound familiar? That's what Satan told God. If you touch him, he's going to curse you. Who do you think was prompting his wife to say that to him? I think Satan was prompting her to say it. Now, again, I don't, I don't falter. I think she was an incredible woman. I think she was a great woman. But I think she had her breaking point, and she finally tells Job, just complain and die. Let's get it over with. I hope no matter how, li- how difficult life is, I hope you never find yourself grumbling and complaining about what's going on in life because I think we're playing into the devil's hands when we do that with our words. But he said to her, you speak as uh, one of the foolish women speak, shall we indeed accept good from God and shall we not accept adversity? And all this Job did not sin with his lips. Again, your words are so important. That's one of the things God reminded me of as I'm going through Job. Because I'm one of those people, how many of you kind of complain a little bit and you say, well, I'm not really criticizing, I'm just sharing some observation. That's wrong. And again, I look back to the children of Israel, how upset God was that they were grumbling and complaining. And I can understand why they were grumbling and complaining in the wilderness. But with all that we have in America, I mean, how in the world could we ever grumble and complain and question the goodness of God? And you say, well, man, everything going on in our country. What are we going to do in November if the right person isn't elected? i tell you what we're going to do. We're going to get up and live for Jesus. God is still going to be on his throne. He's still going to be in control. And if all of your faith is in who gets elected, you're going to stress out. You guys are awesome. I can tell nobody here stresses out over any of that. That's good. That's good. So in all this, Job did not sin. Someone asked C.S. Lewis, why do Christians suffer? He said this, why not? They're the only ones who can take it. Who said amen? <laughs> who just said amen? I, just, I want to go on record as saying, I think everyone in life suffers. You know, Peter talks about if you suffer as a Christian, man, you are blessed. But if you suffer as an evildoer, if you're suffering because you've just been a rascal, That's not good. But we're all going to suffer. But suffering, again, from this side, from this side, suffering doesn't make sense. I don't want to suffer. But God allows us to suffer because he sees a bigger picture in the spiritual realm. And again, everything we go through is for our good and for his glory. And so a couple other quotes. Someone said God is more interested in your character than in your comfort. Now, even though I would amen that, that sounds kind of good, I also want to go on record as saying that God is very interested in your comfort. That's why 2 Corinthians 1 calls him the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our affliction so that we can comfort others who are struggling. And so I think God is concerned about your character, but I also want to go on record as saying that our God cares about your comfort. He wants to comfort you when you're going through a time of struggle. Someone else said God is more interested in making you holy than he is making you happy. And by the way, I think he wants to make us happy. He said he wants to give us a joy unspeakable, full of glory. I think he wants us to be happy, but oftentimes the happiness comes through suffering. Again, I wouldn't choose that. If I were choosing, I would go from mountaintop to mountaintop to mountaintop. That just seems so right. But it's in the valleys, it's in the storms, it's in the suffering. And we learn from the book of Job that God is working. You know, everything God allows Satan to do, you say, why would God allow Satan to do that? Everything he allows Satan to do, what Satan means for evil, God uses for his glory. You can mark it down every single time. Everything Satan means for evil, God means for his glory. And there's where Peter is trying to write to the the believers and try to tell them, relax, you're going through some fiery storms. God's up to something. He says, beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal which is taking place to test you. That is to test the quality of your faith as though something strange or unusual were happening to you. But insofar as you are sharing Christ's suffering, keep on rejoicing. How many of you just get excited when all hell breaks loose? Woo! Glory to God! It's exciting. I find myself having a pity party. I pull up to the gas stations. So I go, oh, I can't believe the price of the gas going up. And I I can join in the flesh and go, yeah, I just cannot believe what's going on in our country. But wouldn't it be better to rejoice in God, knowing that God is in control? God loves you. Nothing comes your way unless it's first come through Him. And to learn to have a spirit of of rejoice. I'm just telling you, in the flesh, that's impossible. It is impossible to rejoice when you're suffering unless you're walking in the spirit. Because in the spirit realm, you can understand that God has a bigger picture in mind than what we see here. But again, insofar as you're sharing Christ's suffering, keep on rejoicing so that when his glory filled with his radiance and splendor is revealed, you may rejoice with great joy. We're going to find out on the other side God had this thing under control the whole time. Scripture I gave you last week, just want to give you part of it today Revelation 15. These are those who have come out of the great tribulation you talk about again living on a hell on earth. Satan's already been booted out of heaven for good in Revelation 12. He knows his time is short. I mean he's going to literally pour it on thick during the last half of the tribulation I think the church will be out of there but there's going to be some people that are literally going to live through hell on earth but that they're going to choose God they're going to get saved and John sees them standing in heaven in Revelation 15 they have come out of hell on earth I would have went up there saying God why why did I have to go through that notice what they say great and marvelous are your works O Lord God the Almighty just and true are your ways for your righteous deeds have been revealed On the other side, they look back and they say, God, great and marvelous are your works. Just and true are your ways. On the other side, we're going to look back and see where God had this thing all along. And the suffering that we went through was absolutely part of his plan. But if we can somehow on this side, as we're going through difficult times be able to rejoice and be able to acknowledge with childlike trust that our Heavenly Father absolutely has everything under control. What an act of worship that is to be able to rejoice. Then his three friends show up. I love it when it calls them three friends. And in one way, I just want to be honest, I think they were probably friends who cared or they wouldn't have come. So I think they, they meant well. But uh, as I say, that uh, his three friends, we're going to find in the chapters ahead, they spoke with supreme authority out of the vast storehouse of their ignorance. They didn't really know what they were talking about. But they were all going to analyze the situation. So when Job's three friends heard of all this adversity that had come upon him, each one came from his own place. Eliphaz the Timonite, Bildad the Shuhite. And I want to go ahead and give you a bad joke right here. You always need a bad joke just to be able to share... Who is the shortest person in the Bible? It's Bildad. He was only shoe height. Shoe height. All right? So anyway, you can think about that. Zophar, the Namathite, Some of you are going to drive home. It's going to hit you. You're going to have to pull over and laugh a little bit or just... Anyway. For he made, they made an appointment together to come and mourn with him and to comfort him. And when they had raised their eyes from afar and did not recognize him, shows how bad he was suffering, they lifted up their voices and wept. And each one tore his robe and sprinkled dust on his head toward heaven. They sat down with him on the ground for seven days, seven nights. No one spoke a word to him, for they saw that his grief was very great. And again, even though we could criticize his friends and maybe have reason to, I just want to give them credit that they were willing to come to Job. They were willing to stay there seven days and seven nights And even though no one spoke a word, how many of you know that when you're sitting there looking at somebody's suffering, your mind is churning? And so after this, we're going to find in the next chapters that one by one, they're all going to begin to speak and everybody's going to analyze what's going on in Job's life. And so again, I give them some credit. I think they probably came with the right purpose in mind, but they absolutely did not understand what God was up to in Job's life. And so we're going to find Bildad, Eliphaz, Zophar, and again, a lot of why questions. They're all going to analyze why he's suffering, why he's going through that. And so, again, just real quickly, as God begins to peel back the layers in Job's life like an onion, first of all, we had the introduction. We found in chapter 1, he peeled back his possessions. He lost all of that. He lost all of his family. His health was gone. Job's wife it was Get, trying to get him to curse God and die. So she was kind of uh, something he had to overcome. His three friends are something that he has to overcome as well. We're going to find in chapter 3 that mentally he gets really, really down in chapter 3. And so he has to get that. And finally, we're going to find the real issue of Job that comes out. But layer by layer by layer, things are peeled out of Job's life. In 2 Corinthians 1, I made reference to this. You say, why does God allow us to suffer? One of the things that Paul says is that when we suffer, we also have compassion to help other people who are suffering. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort which we ourselves are comforted by God. I think God wants us to experience comfort, but he also wants us to give comfort to others along the way. This morning, I woke up about 45 minutes early, which doesn't happen that often because I get up early anyway on Sunday. But I was just wide awake. And so I got up, uh, had a quiet time. I have a devotion that I read. And in the devotion today, it talked about perspective, learning how to, to keep life in perspective. And I thought, boy, that goes right along with the book of Job. And in the article, it said, you know, they used to see life as mountaintops and valleys and mountaintops and valleys, which I use that analogy a lot. But they said they've come to realize that life is more like railroad tracks. And on railroad tracks, whether you're in the valley or on the mountaintop, there's two rails to railroad tracks. And on those two rails, on one side, there are blessings from God. The other side, there's difficulties. And as, as I began to read the article, it really was an eye-opener to me, and God really used it to speak to me that every day we live, we have difficulties that we're dealing with. Every day we live, we have blessings from God. And so life isn't just about good or bad, but even on the mountaintop, I think our blessings are greater, but we still have difficulties that we're dealing with. In the valleys, it seems like the difficulties are magnified and the blessings are harder to find. But in life, if we would understand that every day we get up, we have things to be thankful for, we have blessings in life, but to know that every day we get up, we're going to have struggles, we're going to have difficulties. And if we can learn to live between those two rails and learn to experience God in the journey of life, we do have to learn how to deal with difficulty and blessing. And I think the book of Job reminds us of that as well. This morning... I'm going to have Todd and Tracy come up. Todd and Tracy have been coming here for, I guess, about six weeks or so. Had the privilege of, uh, make sure you're on there, I think you're on. Is he on? I may not. Now you're on. I had the privilege of sitting with them in the fellowship hall. Uh, They just began to share a little bit of their story they lost a 17-year-old son, and as they began to share, I just felt just the, the power of God ooze out of their life. I asked them if they would be willing to share for about 10 minutes or so this morning, and I also asked them if they would come this Wednesday night and just take the whole hour and just share their story, because it's, it's very difficult in 10 minutes. So I, I appreciate their heart. I appreciate their willingness to share, and uh, I think it was about 24 months ago, something like that. 27 months ago, that they lost their son. So anyway, I want them to share their story, and what God did as they went through that time of of difficulty.
4: Okay. Well, good morning, everyone. Um, everybody in here lost someone in your life some point in time. Sure, we all have. Um, we're not here because ours our journey is more special or less special. We all we all deal with the circle of life. Uh, we've lost all four of our parents, our grandparents siblings, uh, you know, a child's different, a little tougher, um, but, you know, God's in control of our lives, and that's what we need to remind ourselves every day, um, we've been very blessed to be part of Bethel Baptist Church over in Troy, Illinois, for the last 11 or so years, um, we were adult Sunday school class, uh, teachers over there, we had about 26 of us in our class that became a very tight-knit family over the years, and, uh, miss him greatly, but we made the decision to move over here, and, and we prayed and prayed for uh, a church that would uh, be in God's will, and then we threw in a few extra little requests like, you know, let it be a lot like Bethel. Uh, this place is. Uh, we uh, we were fortunate to serve under Pastor Tim Lewis over there for, for those years, and uh, we've been here about two months and just thrilled thrilled to pieces with uh, with this church, with, with Pastor, enjoyed our talks with him, and... Uh, we have every intent of, of making this our home. Um, you know, we'll uh, get to know all of y'all a little more as we go along and you'll find out that the wonderful children that we have and their intelligence comes from her and not me. It won't take you long to figure that out, but um, you know, our journey's been basically the last couple of years. Uh, it started uh, late May of 2018. We took our youngest, Jonas, and uh, Flew over to England, our second youngest as a first lieutenant in the Air Force over there stationed. And we went and visited him and got home. And it's time for Jonas' senior year to start. And you know, you you always have things mapped out, how things are going to go in life. And uh, unfortunately, that's not the way it works. And uh, you know, we we learned that through different situations. But um, about late June, we got home. uh, Mid-June, I was diagnosed with melanoma. Uh, my age, we didn't go outside and put sunscreen on as kids. We played and played, and sun did its thing. So I had a little spot on my forehead about the size of a dime that ended up being a hole about the size of a golf ball by the time the doctors got through with it. Praise the Lord, they caught it, and uh, it's been clear for two years. So, you know, it's uh, good, good that it was caught. But uh, anyway, the next month on July 18th, Uh, I got home from the office, uh, typical day, set my laptop up to get ready to do some work at night. Um, Our son Jonas was high-functioning autistic, uh, which meant he was on the high end of the spectrum. He was uh, considered genius level. Uh, He took all honors classes and had a 4.3-plus GPA. Uh, He tutored kids all throughout the high school. We had hundreds of kids for hours at the visitation. Uh, tell us how much he meant to him, And, you know, we learned a lot about him, our own son, things that we didn't really know, uh, just from all the time spending with those kids. But anyway, I, you know, I knocked on his door like I did every day and, and uh, would always go in and see how his day was and what was going on, and uh, there was no reply. Uh, I knocked again. His car was out front, so I knew he should be home. Um, and I walked in to find that he had taken his life and uh that uh for the first time in my life put me on my knees i would lost lots of family members but uh, to find what i found in my son it uh it just crushed me Uh, i've always been the the one for the family that fixed everything don't worry about it i've got this we'll take care of it everybody just relax and for the first time in my life i was truly hit with something that i could not control i could not fix i could not take care of um you know, a lot of people as Christians, we we have a tendency to take God for granted when, the, when we're up on the mountaintops. Things are running pretty smooth. I don't think we lean on Him as much. Matter of fact, we probably don't think about Him as much. Not that we deny our, our Christianity, but uh, when things are going smooth, they're smooth. But um, when you're in that valley, it gets a little deep. And it gets a little dark, and it gets a little tough. Um, but we found through this journey that uh, the love that we knew from God when things were running smoothly uh, was definitely easy to feel and it was there and it was awesome but the love that we felt from him since we started this journey uh, opened our eyes to a whole new meaning of who God is to us. Um, He has been amazing to carry the people and it's not just him it's the people he puts in your path Uh, the hundreds of friends and support groups that we had through all this uh, was amazing. Um, You know, we can ask God why all day long. Uh, I learned a long time ago I don't really do that. Um, You know, I know that God has a plan for our lives, and we make the mistake of laying laying things out on how it's going to go, and then we want to get frustrated when God changes direction than what we want. He never changed his direction. His direction was laid out. So, we went through that period of time, and then uh, my mother was diagnosed terminally ill. We brought her up from Branson and cared for her the last five or six months of her life and kind of got through that one and then just moved over here a couple months ago, and Tracy's mom just passed away last month. So we just kind of gone from one little bump to one little bump. But the one thing that we, the one thing that we know is God's true. God's love's been there through the whole thing. We didn't get through all this as smoothly as we did because we're all that. It's not about us. It's about God. The The biggest thing, which we don't have time to share today, we're just kind of outlining, but we'll we'll share more Wednesday. At the end of the day, at the end of these two years, it's all of the things that God has done uh, through these situations. And I think that's why we fear going through valleys. Uh, a, they're not fun. I don't think any of us have ever volunteered to go through a valley. Uh, we just deal with them when they come along and we lean on God. But um, we've had so many people ask us, how can you still love God? How, how do you get up every day and thank Him for life after what He did? And some of these people were Christians. So it, makes you, it really makes you wonder where their relationship is because God's love for us didn't change when our son died. God loves us just as much as He did then, and we love Him just as much, if not more. We've learned so much God, God, is it, everything we do in our lives is about him receiving glory, not us receiving attention, not us receiving accolades. It's about God receiving glory. And the things that we'll be able to share later, the people, you know, when I went to my doctor and got my second cut, uh, I had called the office to cancel the appointment. I had was scheduled two days after Jonah's passed to get a second cut done. And Tracy wanted me to go. I called back. I went. And the surgeon walks in, they'd already deadened everything, and the f- she just starts bawling. And the receptionist had told her why I had called to cancel. So she takes her mask and her goggles and everything off and just, just starts crying, and she shares with me. She said, I've never told anybody in this office, but my brother took his life in college just a couple years ago. And not a Christian, she's having a horrible time dealing with a very angry, very bitter and I'm asking myself, okay, you know, what, what should I say? What should I do? Of course, you know, selfishly, you want to say, look, my son just died. My heart's just ripped. I can't hardly put one foot in front of the other. Why are, am I dealing with this? Well, then she left to compose herself. The nurse comes back in to make sure that all the deadening is still intact. And she starts sharing with me how her husband had t- taken his life four years ago. So I shared the Lord with her. And 15 minutes later, she leaves. Here a little bit, the receptionist comes in. And she starts sharing with me how that year her 13-year-old daughter had taken her life. So in, in just a matter of 20, 25 minutes, there's three people coming at me with heartbrokenness over loved ones they'd lost. And, again, I ask myself the question, you know, God, I can't, I, what can I do? I can't even function right now. And, you know. It's when it hit me. It's God takes every bad situation in our lives, every bad situation that we are around or face, and He will turn it to good. And so then I realized, you know, right there, are three people in a 20, 25 minute span that I might not have ever had the opportunity to actually witness to because of what happened. God opened doors for things to happen for His good, for His glory. And we'll have tons of, we've got all those kids at the high school. Um, you know, still contacting us today about Jonas and the love they had. So, you know, God, God does amazing things through what we see as really dark, horrible situations. And we're all going to go through them at some point or time, but I think it's important that we realize this isn't about me. God saved me. I, I was saved by grace and extended mercy that I didn't deserve. The very least I can do in my time on earth is when, when I'm in that valley, help turn it to good for God's glory. It's not about me. It's about him. So to say we don't grow through adversity is not true. We do. Also, people will tell you that God's not going to put more on you than you can handle. I wholeheartedly disagree because if I could have handled it, I would have. I would have handled every step of the way. That's my nature. I'll fix it. Everybody relax. It's okay. I couldn't handle it. Nothing I could do about it. I believe God puts more on us than we can handle so we do lean on him, so we do put our trust in him and put our focus where it should be, not ourselves, but on him. So anyway, we'll share more Wednesday, but I'll turn it over to Tracy for a few minutes.
5: I took up 13 minutes, the first two services, and, I yeah. <laughs> and he only got seven, so I think he flipped the script on we me. <laughs> but So I want to thank you all for listening and for Pastor for having us up here and for inviting us um, to come Wednesday night to speak um, for the additional hour because there's no way in this time that we can share everything that God has done for us on this path Um, if you're tracking it was 27 months ago today that we lost Jonas so in 27 months we lost our youngest son and we lost both, both of our parents so we've had three major losses two empty nests by death but one amazing God behind it all who's carried us through. Um, And I want to make sure he gets the proper glory because he deserves it. So if you can come Wednesday night, I would love it. I would um, love to talk more about um, the two questions I did ask God. Sorry, this fan is blowing my hair in my mouth. And so neither one of us ever asked him why, because we understand free will. And Jonas exercised his free will, and we also understand that no matter what, God will use everything for his glory and his purpose, and we were okay with that. We also understood what a gift all children are. They're a miracle, but they come with open-ended contract terms. What we didn't know was that Jonas's was uh, 17 years and 40 days. But had I known that before he was born... I still would have said yes a million times over. So I didn't ever ask why, but there are two questions I did ask, and I'll get into Wednesday night if you can come. Um, There's just been so many blessings. Um, God, God's presence, his promises, and his provisions. He started preparing us for this journey before Jonas was ever born. And I can see that now. I can see all the pieces he was putting into place because he loves us so much. Um, Part of it was, you know, the boy's pediatrician that I picked out before Jonas was born. The church he put us in. The people at the church that acted as his hands and feet. Because when we fell from that mountaintop into the—we didn't just fall into the valley. We were in the deepest, darkest trenches of that valley. And they jumped in with us and did what was, ever, what was necessary to get us out. And a lot of those people had lost children themselves. So God surrounded us with people who knew the exact path we were walking on and knew our level of pain. And just like in Second Corinthians, allowed, they used their pain to comfort us And it was a blessing beyond measure. And that's just how much God loves us. Um, Like I said, I can go on and on. I could write a book (laughs) about everything God has done and how he has shown himself and his faithfulness and his promises to us. Um, Through our journey, we've (coughs) learned—we look at things differently. We wear our eternal goggles now. Um, Little things don't matter. I just have my focus on finishing the race strong. Um, I'm constantly thinking about heaven and how wonderful it is and how I can't wait to get there. And I really, really feel that that's the way we should all be walking with our eternal goggles on. Um, Don't get caught up in the little stuff. Just think about the big picture and the end picture. Um, I've learned through this, I've learned the difference between Satan's voice and God's voice because I've heard them both during this period, and there's a big difference. <laughs> and I can tell you, I hate Satan as much as he hates us. Um, I know, with beyond a shadow of a doubt, because our son loved Christ, he loved him with all of his heart, all of his soul, all of his mind and that we'll see him again because God is good. That's his promises. That's the hope we have, and that's how I get through this because we're believers, and whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life, and so that's how I get through it. I know it's temporary, and I can handle temporary. So Satan tried to attack his heart and couldn't get that to turn, so he attacked his mind, and he got that. And I know that Satan also, I wanted to take the rest of the family down, but he hasn't gotten that either. But I wrote something, um, because I hate Satan so much, Um, but it was prompted um, several years before Jonas could drive. I remember um, taking him to youth group on Wednesday night, and um, like typical, he had procrastinated on his reading, so he was reading his Bible verses in the car, And as we pulled in the church parking lot, um, he said, Mom, he was like, the Bible sure is rough on thieves. (laughs) And I was like, what are you talking about? And so he read me um, 1 John 10.10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I said, honey, Jesus is referring to Satan there. He was like, oh, oh, and then it clicked. So even though he knew this, he couldn't see Satan coming after him. So I wrote this, and it's called The Enemy Within. The thief, he comes to lie and steal. He comes to destroy. So coy, so subtle is his deceptive ploy. The enemy within, your biggest foe. The fiercest, most ruthless one you will ever come to know. Sometimes he comes disguised as a mental disease or an addiction. He causes fear. He causes pain and sometimes even rejection. He will catch you off guard and bring you to your knees. How does one fight, how does one battle when he's attacked your own mind? You try and you try one day at a time. He's convinced you there's no other like your kind. He blinds you, he makes it so you can't see. He convinces you this is the way it will always be. End it, end it, he screams and shouts. You're not a hero, there's no other way out. But oh my sweet boy, I know you stayed as long as you could. You fought and you fought the way a brave warrior would. He thinks he's won, he thinks you're done, this enemy within. But oh my child, he's forgotten the sun. One day we will stand with the angels by our side, on God's battleground, no mercy for him ever to be found. He will be defeated, the enemy within, cast into the lake of fire, eternity he will spend. Because hell hath no fury like a broken-hearted mama who had to do the unthinkable and bury a child. Through my son's death, I've learned I have two purposes in life. Um, One is to bring awareness to the crisis that is suicide. And the second is to bring God glory through our pain. And there's two things I want to hear when I get to heaven. From our Father, I want to hear, Well done, my good and faithful servant. And from my son, I want to hear. I'm so proud of you, Mom.
6: I
3: just want to have just a word of prayer. I know some are watching this by way of stream, but I know that, that every day we get up. Again, we have difficulties, we have blessings, and sometimes God takes us through some dark times. That's why I think we all connect to the book of Job. I think his was an extreme case, but I think we always can realize as we look at our life, man, God is in control. And so I just want to take a moment and just pray for you guys. I don't know what's going on in your life, but I know that I can look around, and I know that everybody here is going through some difficulty, also has some blessing. And let's, let's discover God in the middle of it. Let's learn to, to watch our words, and may our words bring honor and glory to Him. I appreciate Todd and Tracy being willing to share part of their story. Uh, they've sat through all three services, so I really just appreciate your heart, and again, look forward to this Wednesday. If you have an opportunity to come, they're just going to share more of the story. Maybe have opportunity, you guys, to ask questions. But Again, I think the comfort we get from God, we have the privilege of giving that to others along the way. And so I hope this week as we go through and our mission field, it may be somebody that calls you on the phone that God wants you just to share with. You don't know the hurt in their life. But let's just use every opportunity God gives us just to love on people and just to let his comfort, his love, and his mercy flow through our life. So let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for my brothers and sisters. And God, I just thank you that even though we look around on Sunday and it just seems like we all have it all together, God, I know that everyone here is going through some struggles, some difficulty, and yet at the same time, we have blessings every day of our life. Teach us to somehow live in the middle of those two tracks. Help us every day not to go to one extreme or the other, but to find your peace, find your grace, in the middle of life storms. And so I just speak peace and blessing to each one that's here, each one that's listening. I'm not asking you to take us out of a situation unless it's not your will. But Father, in the middle of it, we just want to discover you. We want to discover and, and know that you are enough in our life. Thank you for loving us. And Lord, I just again, just pray your blessings on each one here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys hope he can make it Wednesday. Chuck has a word he wants to share, and then we're going to close with a song today. Looks like he's got some backup. <laughs> Chuck's been at all three services today as well, so I appreciate I, I, it. I'm going to have
7: a suggestion the next time we do a presentation that you preach three different services.
3: <laughs> John, why don't
7: you come on up? Uh, Uh, John's one of our deacons, Uh, Ralph is in the back, he's uh, faithful there, and this is my brother Ken Hoff here. Uh, And uh, this month is uh, Pastor Appreciation Month, and we uh, wanted to recognize our pastor and our senior pastor and those to work under him, our uh, other pastors, our ministers, and we're so thankful for all of them. And on your behalf, uh, we'd like to give uh, them these gifts uh, just to show how much that we uh, appreciate them so much. They do so much for us. Uh, They're there 24 7. And uh, uh, we just, we love them. We do. We we just love you so much. We appreciate it. And on your behalf, thank you. you God bless you.
3: We touch. Somebody I'm going to ask for us to stand. I, I don't know. I know we got several of the staff here. I know they're recognizing, I think, most of the staff. And, and really, we have an amazing staff. It's, it's an honor and privilege to serve. I appreciate, our again, our church family. I pray that as we go through the book of Job, I hope it will forever change how we get up every day, how we live every day. Because I believe, again, there's so many incredible lessons from the book of Job, as with all the Bible. So love you guys. We're going to close out with a song.